now, our feature presentation. Welcome in to another episode of the Florida Sound Archive Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Kaiser. And today we have a guest that has been long anticipated to sit down and share his story because he certainly has some great stories that we're going to be hearing today and has been uh, a part of the music community for a very long time. I think going back to as early as uh, 1980, perhaps, or maybe even a little before that. 81, well, maybe. Okay, 80, 81. Uh, we'll get down to all the details, but he's been in a lot of bands. Uh, everyone from Roach Motel, Morbid Opera. Uh, you know, we We're going to get into a lot more bands that he's been in, but he's here with us, Jeff Hodap. Jeff, how are you? How is it going today? Doing good. Doing fine. <laughs> It is good to have you on. It is obvious if you're a fan of the podcast, I've checked out other interviews. Your background is quite similar to that of Paige Harvey of the Livid Kittens. Uh, she was a guest also, I think, two years ago on the podcast. Yeah. So, uh, and we ha and we have a visitor. Uh, uh, your dog. What's your dog's name? Gladys. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we've had her about. Um eight months or something something like that what instrument what instrument does she play uh, she's chewing on a bone or anything you leave around there you on. go there you go well it's great to have you on uh, i've been really anticipating this this interview with you and uh, i've been a fan of a lot of the bands that you've been in over the years uh so it's going to be a good time. Thanks again for taking the time to to spend with uh, the Florida Sound Archive this this afternoon. So kind of want to talk a little about kind of your early period, you know, and kind of where it all began. You mentioned uh, 80, 81 is kind of where it all started for you. So uh, what do you remember from that? Like, was that when you first started, like getting into music at that time or getting into a band? No, I guess, you know, around middle school, I... Uh... My mom bought me a $2 guitar at the uh, Salvation Army, and I started playing that. My parents probably regretted it later. But, um, you know, I like the usual stuff, uh, you know, Beatles and then, you know, Deep Purple, all that. Um, and just, um, I guess one of the things that got me started thinking about playing was I went to open records, I think when it was in Deerfield, uh, where I am now. And um, <clears throat> uh, Leslie Wimmer sold me the Eats first single. So um, talked me into it and it was great. And I, you know, looked at it and realized, hey, these guys are about 30 minutes away from me. <laughs> and this is a great record. So I kind of got the idea to, well, I, I could do this too. <laughs> Do you, so, still, do you still have that original Eat single? Uh, yes. Is it in a safety deposit box somewhere? Um, yes. <laughs> okay. No, you, but, I'm sure you do know the value of what those have gone up to as of uh, as oh, of recently. Yeah. 
Well, we have a guard dog back there. There you go. Yes, yes, on patrol, <laughs> I'm sure at all times. So, wow. So you mentioned, you know, going to open records at that time. So what I'm curious about is because Roach Motel, and we're going to get a lot about the Roach Motel story, but they were based out of Gainesville. So how did you kind of wind up between, because Gainesville to Deerfield, I mean, it's not a terrible drive, but it's far enough. So how did you kind of make that commute and were you living down in South Florida and then commuting to Gainesville or what was that all about? Well, I, I lived down here and then went to school up in Gainesville but around 1980. I went up there, um, went to school and, um, yeah, basically lived in South Florida forever. I was born in Miami. My mom was born in Miami. So kind of South Florida forever other than Gainesville. And, um, yeah, up there, another thing that got me going was actually seeing the Roche Motel. But when I saw them, I wasn't in the band. I didn't even know those people. But I saw them play somewhere outside of town. And, you know, they're fairly terrible, but they're hilarious. <laughs> and uh, I kind of met them because uh, Bob's girlfriend, Cindy, was like, oh, if you're here to see the band, you better get out of here quick because some of their seats got slashed and anyone hears for the band, the, the club's going to be down on it. So I ran off, but um, that kind of got me. And then that summer, I kind of started playing in a band down here in Coral Springs, um, shit stains, <laughs> and uh, just just parties. And that we did wind up, we opened for Double O later in uh, DC band, but um, didn't do much with that. Um, and then, but the, through that, I kind of, once I wound up back in Gainesville, I, I met, um, kind of wound up meeting the Roach Motel people and then wound up in the Liquid Plumbers, which had Eric, uh, who was bass player kind of for both back and forth. And uh, John McWiggan, who's been in a bunch of other bands um, since. Um, he was a singer. So I started playing uh, in that band and usually, you know, Roach Motel was already around. So there was uh, basically two punk bands. Um, so we played together a lot. <laughs> were you were you into punk music really at that time? Or were you just looking to just play and see where, see where it went? Yes. Yeah. I originally, when I first heard punk, I didn't like it, especially like Ramones or something. I was like, oh, these guys can't play lead or something. What did it was sing on some TV show or something, the, the New York Dolls. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I get it. And that kind of dragged me into everything else. So yeah, then I, I started liking all of it. And the local bands down in South Florida, like I saw the Cichlids. I don't think I ever saw the Eat back in the day, but I saw the Reactions and Cichlids and, you know, here and there. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you have a band that you kind of made every effort to see that you were that you would say at that time was like one of your favorite bands locally to see live um well pretty much reactions i liked a lot. i really liked to eat but they didn't play out too much or they kept it a secret <laughs> but um <clears throat> yeah the, those were the main two down here I've heard a lot of people talk about their reactions as one of those bands that should have been bigger. They should have broke out. Uh, did you feel the same way? Do you, was there any, anything that you may have saw back then that, uh, 
you remember from from their time where you think maybe they just missed that boat and could have taken that opportunity? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know the whole story. I guess it's in the Joey Maya book, but um, it's uh, they were they were as good as anyone and they had great songs and um, yeah, they had two singles and it got put out. Someone re-released it as an album and yeah, it's all good. Yeah, definitely a big fan of the of the reactions and uh, they are on. There you go. The Killed by Death uh, unofficial compilation. Uh, so you, a lot of great bands are on that compilation from from that time period, uh, especially Roach Motel and several others. So when you were going up north to to Gainesville, where'd you go to school? University of Florida? Yes. What was your uh, what was your major? Uh, I didn't really know. I wound up just kind of with a business major just because I didn't. I had no idea. I just kind of fell back into that and um, maybe was recommended by my folks. I don't know, but I just did that. <laughs> I mean, you think back to that time, I mean, it was uh, early 80s. So uh, what was the scene like when you were up there in Gainesville? Was there any other bands that were happening at that time that you kind of uh, caught wind of that grabbed your attention? Um, yeah, mostly, um, Roche Motel. There was also Bazookas, which was Frank, who was later in Roche Motel, and Eric, kind of all the same people. Um, the Vulgar Boatmen, uh, were starting around then. And, uh, yeah, I really liked them. And I recently found their first cassette and I, I download. I never had the cassette, I guess, but I loved it and found it online somewhere so i now have that i can't find the second cassette though but um i never yeah. heard of them before what what kind of music were the vulgar boatmen they're more um i guess they're like rock um i guess maybe they'd be close to swimming pool cues uh, okay a couple they i think they're on a major label for a while or, you know, not, they, it wouldn't be out of um, crazy for them to play with REM, you know, but, but they had a sense of humor. They were, they were, they had some, I have some of their old flyers are, they're hilarious and the songs are hilarious too. Yeah. Very good. Was uh, the other members that you were uh, friends with or you knew from Roche Motel, were they also students at UF too? Um, some were, um, some of them, I, you know, I was wondering the same thing. What, you know, they're from a couple of them from New York. I'm like, what the hell were you doing in Gainesville? I don't remember. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. Some Frank definitely was, um, it's kind of weird. We didn't really talk about our school much <laughs> while, while we're there, but yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Uh... Yeah, that city kind of revolves around university of florida so right yeah. right yeah definitely a very college town for sure were you in any kind of fraternity back then uh absolutely not <laughs> i was across the street from one and yeah. okay uh, <laughs> any good stories from back then in the college year you want to share um oh there there's a bunch uh <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's just, um, yeah, there, there's a, yeah, we had a good time. Uh, what, what happened in college stays in college? Um, just, yeah, man, <laughs> stay, you know, we just, you know, I hardly move anymore, but yeah, we'd, we'd move, change houses or, you know, first live in the dorms. And then, you know, I had my own roommates who weren't really punk rock people they're my normal friends mm. but we'd they weren't that normal and we'd end up <laughs> moving every three months it seems or six wow months. wow just uh yeah which i would never be a landlord in gainesville and rent to students you gotta be crazy <laughs> i've destroyed some of those places right oh yeah <laughs> I think that's probably a lot of, I think that's a lot of major universities and such. So, uh, yeah. and one that we lived right across the street from the Pike house and, you know, we're, and we had, actually, we had a friend who was a member there and, but generally we didn't get along with them too well. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel like you were an outsider? Cause you were more into like, you know, obviously in that time, maybe getting more into the whole punk thing. And that really wasn't a thing back then so did you feel like you were like an outsider you're kind of just with your like band of misfits at that time or like what was that like socially for you yeah that pretty much yeah i never felt even you know in high school i never well not that there's fraternities but i never felt a part of the fraternity i went to plenty of their parties because they would um you could go and you get free meals and i think free drinks too but um free meals and then i could spend my money allotted for food on alcohol and such things yeah, so yeah. I, I went to a number of their uh, events but that's not for me sure <laughs> speaking of alcohol is roach motel were they just like the band itself like there's it definitely there was songs about beer uh the cover of the this this record is off of the Budweiser can. So was the band just really just into beer? Did you all just drink a lot? Like what was what, what was that whole thing like around beer? Yeah, yeah, that was that was definitely a prop on stage, and it was always Budweiser for whatever reason. But um, yeah, it was I you know some people more than others, but um, yeah, I remember we uh played we had a two night uh shows in some club in tampa and the first night was uh free beer for the band and the second night is like no <laughs> i don't when know it, if it's the cost <laughs> or the performance when it's a free uh, when it's a free beer night what does that look like at that time for roach motel it, i it was probably not our best performance no because <laughs> we're all kind of broke and uh yeah we weren't used to that so what do you actually remember from that very first show that you played with Roche Mattel where where was it uh club and what do you remember about it um well kind of what I remember was leading up to it you know I, I was in um Liquid Plumbers and we played together or whatnot and then uh Black Flag um, scheduled their tour and they went with, um, you know, Roche Motel was on it for three shows in 1982. And uh, I tagged along, uh, along with a bunch of other people. We 
tagged along as in Tampa, Hollandale, and uh, Daytona. And um, I guess after that, um, the band decided, hey, we like the two guitar sound um, that Black Flag had. So they asked me to join and I was like, okay. <laughs> so, and then I guess back then you couldn't have two bands at once. I don't know, Liquid Plumbers kind of fell apart and um, John was starting other bands anyway. So where did we play first show? Uh, we like immediately started recording. I, I remember that more than our first show. But um, actually, I'm not sure what the first show is. I think the first thing we did was record. <laughs> like what, <a> did, <laughs> what did the Black Flag guys think of Roche Motel? I don't know. Um, I didn't really talk to most of them. I talked to Dez a little, I remember. Um, Henry Rollins, I remember he um, he had a tennis ball. He was squeezing in one hand and uh, staring at it. So I kind of didn't go up to him. <laughs> and I was just afraid. Yeah, Sacker and Trust played too. I was afraid I was going to get stuck in their van because it's like, oh, I don't know how we're going to take you. And I was like, oh, those guys are scary looking. But uh, I stay. I think like six of us were in this tiny car or something. But um, and yeah, actually, yeah, there's a whole story there. The, uh, drummer for Roach Motel, I think they were playing with Chad, this, uh, Chad Salter, I believe, and as was Liquid Plumbers, and we play around town with him, but he was like 14 or something. So I think his parents said, you know, hell no, you're not going on tour <laughs> all around the state with these weirdos. So they... I think Joey Maya was going to play one show or something, couldn't make it. It's in his book. He's like, oh, and then they didn't play. And I was like, well, they did play as a Saccharine Trust uh, drummer stepped in uh, and did a great job. And um, yeah, the shows were a lot of fun, all of them. Tampa was crazy. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of blood at that one. But. Oh, wow. That yeah. was the, that was with the same bands, the same lineup. Yeah, I think those three bands. Yeah, all three hmm. shows. Why do you think Tampa was different than some of the other places you played? Why do you think it was so violent? I don't know. I some about the scene and the people then, um, and yeah, later in Gainesville when we'd have shows, yeah, some of the Tampa people and then Jacksonville would show up as like God, <laughs> these people are crazy. But yeah, Gainesville didn't really have that. Um, and South Florida, a little, not so much, maybe a little bit in Miami, but yeah. And West Palm later. <laughs> right. And uh, so you all were recording. And were you looking at that time to just put out anything like a, a seven inch, an EP, an album? Like, what was the focus at that time of Roche Motel? What were you all trying to do when you were spending that time in the recording studio? Yeah, I think it was to put out a record for sure. And I think we did it in two different sessions. We started at one place and the guy um, who recorded it really hated, hated our music. So we, I think then we took a break, came up with some more songs and then finished and recorded um, those. What studio was it? Um, 
Uh, I forget. Yeah, the one we renamed it on the record to Inferior Moron Studios or something. So I don't even remember what it was. Was that because of the relationship with this guy who was at the, yeah. who, who was he, the owner of the studio, the engineer? Yeah, or? he's like, don't use our name on this or something. So we renamed it. Wow. And then... <laughs> Did he not like? Did he not like the band or the sound? Like, what was his just, issue with you guys? Never heard anything like that before and hated it. You know, it was, <laughs> and actually, this, this, I think it sounds great. But <laughs> you remember? Then, do you remember the first song? Favorite. Do you remember the first song you recorded? Um. Well, it was uh, I, I, cheat guide here. Um, probably I hate the sunshine state or now you're going to die. Probably those are the first ones. And yeah, I don't, yeah. I have to look to find, we, I think we recorded three or four songs. Um, one of which later got used for the, we still can't help it. We're from Florida that, um, uh, what's that song called? I forget, but <laughs> uh make me sick yeah that was one ah uh, yes make me uh, sick days. make me sick and there's more more words <laughs> yes we won't go into those yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a pg show <laughs> yes yes uh, but those are roach motel classics you know those are yeah. those those are the songs that uh that are, that are just synonymous with roach motel and my one of my favorites is i hate the sunshine state so yeah. Who who I don't have the information in, right in front of me, but who who do you remember who wrote that song? I think that that was probably Bob and George. Um, yeah, I, I I think those two together they didn't always work together great, but yeah, they came up with some really good songs together. <laughs> yeah, that that's a that's a good one. So now you're gonna die too. I think that that was those two together. That's another another classic yeah. song there uh you know there, there's there's so many uh another one of my favorites brooke shields must die yeah it's a good one yeah so i think that was, yeah that was probably those two together too because that one that's an older one it showed up on the later record but hmm. they had that for a while <laughs> at that time were you Oh, that's because uh, that whole reason, I think she was criticizing, Brooke Shields was doing all those commercials against smoking, and Bob Fetz took offense to that, so, because <laughs> he smoked like a chimney, so. <laughs> I can see why he would have been offended by that. So, the, uh, yeah, those are definitely some, some, some great, great Roche Motel songs. Were you doing at that time any songwriting like what was that like for you and at what point did you start to write some of the songs um pretty much immediately i started coming up with some and yeah with liquid plumbers i kind of did before too so yeah most of the layer yeah i didn't really write lyrics i presented one to fetz once and he's like i'm not singing that so um what was it about it was something about the Pope uh, peeing in a golden toilet or something. <laughs> He's like, I'm not singing that. I have really, I gave up on lyrics uh, the rest of my life because of that. That was it. So you, after that yeah. moment, you never wrote lyrics to any other song. I know, Is that I know, okay? I know. I was easily. Uh, wow. Yeah. Didn't take much to end, the, end your career no. there. No. <laughs> Did you ever ghostwrite for anybody then? <laughs> 
no, no. I write essays and stuff like that. It's not there. It's, you know. Wow. Well, so I know we mentioned the liquid plumbers a couple of times. Uh, did the liquid plumbers ever put out any records? No, no, nothing. Um, which is, you know, part of Roche Motel. I like that because I could see, you know, they there was ambition there. So um, I like the idea because they had um, it's pretty much Bob's magazine, Destroy magazine, which was basically to make bad jokes and uh, promote Roche Motel. So, you know, it was um, just around town is all in the stores. And so I, I really enjoyed that. So I tell there's some ambition there, so. Did you all know, like at that time, what you were doing was so different than what was happening in the state of Florida? I mean, yes, and punk rock was already going on right there was other places in the in the country where it was happening but in florida terms there really weren't a lot of bands at that time who you could label as a punk band maybe you know one song put out a seven inch okay but an actual series of songs there really weren't bands that sounded like that so what was your thoughts on that did you all know what you were doing was different and and you were perhaps arguably uh the first punk band to come out of florida well you know there were uh, the eat came before and reactions and that's south florida and i guess we were a little starting to get into like hardcore and i guess now it's killed by death type stuff because we weren't we we're never really quite hardcore but yeah around other places in the state we didn't really know about when we started uh, Tampa, I, I think they knew some people, but you know, I'm learning now later about Antler Joe and stuff like that, that that was around at the same time, but we didn't know about, I didn't know about that till, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, there really weren't many bands out of Fort Myers that sounded like Antler Joe. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I mean, I've done a lot of research for uh, the Southwest side of Florida and there really wasn't a, a scene like there was in maybe Gainesville or Fort Lauderdale or Miami or Tampa. It was quite different on that side of the state. Yeah. Not, not that I've heard of. I never, and yeah, we never had communications with them or any of those other bands in, in that area. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a little bit Orlando, we uh, knew some people here and there. Um, um oh that's my uh good liquid plumbers story we uh played in orlando and our <laughs> so i forget with who but our singer was uh bad mouthing their local uh magazine i think it dog food or something or something started ripping it up so uh that they actually had a curtain and they closed the curtain on us but we kept playing or something and someone in the audience hit i don't know why he hit me instead of the singer but hit i got hit with a bucket of water and i was like oh i'm still alive <laughs> i'm not electrocuted <laughs> but that was a that's pretty memorable show <laughs> and then i was talking about it with uh this guy i knew down here barry stock who's uh did some shows and stuff and he's like i remember that show i, I couldn't believe it <laughs> what year was that 
Uh, that was 81, probably, possibly 82. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was there a lot of photographs taken at that time that you were able to, to, to have, or is it kind of lost to the ether? Um, yeah, I have a few photographs. Um, think I, yeah, I don't know. If, uh, yeah, I have some liquid plumber pictures and some other, not a lot. It's not like now where there's 10,000 photographs you had. To, right. You know, use film and get it developed and all that. But yeah, there's a few. <laughs> yeah, the times certainly have long changed. So uh, I was just watching something the other day about uh, the times of doing one hour photo, how we would all look forward to getting our pictures developed in that one hour of time because we wanted to see what we took yeah. <laughs> and uh, everything. So, it, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it does. You mentioned you mentioned some of the like the zine that, uh, and I'm curious to know because. The zines that were around at the time or anyone that was any any publication, what do you remember of the first time a Roach Motel recording was reviewed? Anything come to mind that brings back a memory for you? Um, I mean, probably um, Suburban Relapse, which is Barry Saltz's magazine down here, which was great. Um, I think in there and we, you know, we'd sent... Once we put the records out, we sent them all over and flip side, max, maximum rock and roll. I think uh, we were in touch and go, I think. And um, just, um, yeah, those were kind of the main ones. There were others, I, I think, um, and Destroy, Bob would send those out and we'd send those out to everyone. You know, I, I got on the uh, Destroy team also at some point, so helped. What were you they doing? What, what what was your what was your primary job with Destroy? Um, I do record reviews and uh, help you know run copies. You know, we basically run down to Kinkos or whoever was around back then instead of Kinkos and then put them together, staple them, <laughs> all of that, and run them around. And were the reviews positive of Roche Motel? Uh, yeah, in, in those magazines. And we actually, you know, a little later, we were in like the Gainesville Sun and the Alligator and stuff like that. We started getting articles. Um, yeah, we're on like the cover, I think of the Alligator or something. Yeah, or maybe it's Gainesville Sun, I forget. I, yeah. I have walk somewhere. Yeah. But, um, Generally positive, but just as, you know, these people are from out of, outer space, but this is, you know, enjoyable. But <laughs> uh, that's, 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 uh, that's funny. Outer space. Uh, well, you know, most of the other bands in town were, you know, cover bands. So. Sure. Yeah. You hear, yeah. Doing original music. It was us and the small scene. And then some other bands started up after us and liquid plumbers, uh, slime twisted logic and then a bunch of like a bunch of punk bands started um right around you know probably 1983 yeah 84 then you know there's tons of them <laughs> but, someone somebody uh, had somebody had to lay the groundwork first 
Yep. You know, a lot of it was our fault. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the compilations that, that you were a part of and also destroy had put out, which is perhaps one of the most landmark releases for punk rock in Florida was that we can't help it. We're from Florida seven inch. Uh, talk about that a little bit, because that is definitely, I think, in terms of historically, uh, one of the most historical documents of the scene at that time, uh, some of the bands that were around and the the punk, the, the whole punk scene going on in Florida. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm very proud of, uh, of that. Um, yeah, I think we, um, I think it was mostly Bob came up with the idea and then, you know, get all these bands and put out a record. Um, we were all pretty broke, so we figured it'll be a seven inch, and we figured out we can get um, thirteen minutes aside at you know thirty three. So you know we figured oh we'll get three other bands. Um, we were already um, friends with Rack Cafeteria from Tampa, so they were they were first, <laughs> and then. Um, yeah, we knew um, Hated Youth because we had a Slam Fest event and they kind of just, we had never heard of them before they showed up and like, we want to play. So we let them play <laughs> and they were good. Um, so yeah, we contacted them and they had their manager got a twofer out of it and uh, got Sector 4 also. And um, I think we were talking with F back um the F and Penisheimers, that's the uh, one version of the band, um, but they didn't really have their shit together. So then we contacted Morbid Opera because I was in a long distance relationship with the singer. <laughs> so uh, they were, they got, they got the shot and, you know, no one had anything recorded, but we made like a deal to everyone. Um, send us a hundred bucks, you'll get a hundred records to sell. And um, so that's how we were able to finance it um, pretty much. And everyone got it together pretty quickly and um, pressed a thousand. It's the one with the red label and um, sent them out. Everyone, so it's getting distribution in every city. Um, we probably got the idea from, you know, this is Boston, not LA and uh, the discord stuff. Yep. Yep. Let's do a regional thing, tie Florida together. And, you know, that'll be more places we can play, you know, more people. Um, which as it turns out, I think was a great idea. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, those sold out really quick. We repressed another thousand and, um, just yeah, I I really think everyone on there uh, really did their best job. I think everyone's stuff on there is so good. I, I it st- is still listen to that record. I still am walking down the street. Have uh, Ronald Reagan, you're fucking up going going through my mind. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm very proud of that record. 
the other bands that were on it, to your knowledge, did they have the same feeling? Like, did they, you think that people that you may be in touch with or may have talked to over the years, do they feel similar to you? That, that that's just a that was a very special moment. Um, I think so. I probably haven't had this uh, exact conversation with them, but yeah, everyone was very happy with how it turned out. I know. <clears throat> That's good to hear. And it was obviously popular enough to where you had to repress it. Was there a certain part of the country where you think it did better? Um, I guess Florida. Um, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we get it. We had distributors and uh, I think. I think generally people kind of knew who if people really into this kind of knew who we were <laughs> through through that <clears throat> especially and that that yeah. got really good reviews and especially Florida magazines seemed quite excited by it yeah and there was more stuff that came that Road Frontel had put out because there's uh there was also um there was there was a you had a lot of songs I feel like Roche Motel that you had done. Um, were you all just like in the studio as often as you could, to, or were, were 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 a lot of these songs just recorded at the same time? It seemed like there was for a punk rock band. There just seemed like there was a lot of songs you all had down that uh, I know when you put out the the worstest hits compilation, there was a, a lot of songs on that. Um, yes, and and that was uh, we did have this single. The uh, I have these handy. The what the hell, and that was we were going to put out an album. Um, I ended up in '84. I was you know out of school. I was heading south, and I think Frank was going to leave too. So we um, were going to put out an album. I wasn't. I didn't totally love some of the songs that were going to be on it. Um, but um, yeah, I was kind of the uh, the main banker. And then I handed that over to someone else. And some of the money got uh, misappropriated. So the album never happened, which isn't a terrible thing because there are a couple of crappy songs. So I did the um, wonderful layout that's the most boring <laughs> layout ever and put that single out and kind of took over running destroy records from south florida i did read about this the, the what you mentioned before about there was some issues with money with the way it was being handled and what have you was that a member of the band who was uh involved yeah, with that yeah everything got made good like 10 years later or five years later, but um, it's all good. But yeah, yeah, someone, uh, I it probably went for rent or something stupid like that. <laughs> were you, were you pretty, like, were you pretty disappointed that, that that was pretty much like the, on the end of Roche Motel or like, were you like, all right, cool. I'm getting to something else now. You know, you, you seem like you were enjoying what you were doing. Like, what was your feeling at that time? Um, yeah, I guess, you know, mixed feelings. I was, um, you know, looking forward to South Florida because, you know, I, and I like the music down here and, um, 
you know, Roach Motel been together, you know, I, I've been in it two or three years and, you know, how you are at that age, you know, everything's, you're in a hurry, but, you know, I'm, we had definitely had a lot of, we went on a, we actually got outside of the state and played around the country, well, three shows and uh, yeah, mixed feelings. I would imagine. And I, I, before we moved from Roche Motel, got to talk about the time that Roche Motel opened for Minor Threat. Uh, because you think about the, the brand of each band, you couldn't be farther on the end of the spectrum in terms of your beliefs and how you probably carry yourself. What, what you would do on a night of fun uh, it could be quite different. So what was that like and how did the Minor Threat guys receive uh, a band like Roach Motel? The weird part is we got along great. They were like the nicest people ever. I I remember working the door when, you know, we played at like American Legion or something. So basically we take turns running the doors, me and Ian McKay uh, running the door. <laughs> the people were complaining about the $3 they had to pay to get in. And he's like, well, what'd that beer cost you? Right. But, if, only, um, if only we could pay $3 today, we would be quite happy. <laughs> all right. But um, that was, we probably behaved ourselves that night. Then they played, they played Orlando. I didn't go to that. Then they came back and played like a Monday night in this place, Reality Kitchen in Gainesville. And, you know, I, I think we generally uh, kept our wits about it, us. But um, no, we got along great with them. They're very nice. And when we went on tour and were in DC, they let us stay at their house. So oh, wow. We stayed yeah. at Discord house. I was going to ask, did you actually stay at the Discord house? And it sounds like yeah. you did. What was that like? um that was interesting um whole time we we're there uh well then uh lisa and i were there together we went you know we went on tour in two cars which is ridiculous we went to new york dc and um atlanta um we had a show in baltimore we weren't going to play in dc but it got canceled so ian got us on the show in dc is suicidal tendencies who we who had just come out and we played with them at uh, gildersleeves in new york too the time before so yeah i think i slept on the floor at discord one night and then lisa had a friend in uh somewhere in dc so we stayed there but yeah the iron i remember the iron we we're hanging out with the iron cross guy and he's waiting for the gate to open he had like a baseball bat or something he was mad at someone but um generally fine <laughs> luckily the guy didn't show up yeah it's funny but um talk oh, about you talked about the violence and in, in, in like when you played in tampa what was it like when you played in some of those other locations that you've heard you know stories about there's myths you know things that have transcended time you know shows in new york maybe shows in dc you know what was that like playing up there where the how are the people was it was it was it was it crazy what was the environment like in terms of some of the the shows um same people seemed maybe a little maybe even a little calmer up, up there, a, a little more, um, I, don't, I don't know, just, yeah, just as a little calmer, it wasn't, it seemed a little less violent 
Um, yeah, Atlanta was like a little, maybe a little too laid back. Um, <laughs> I remember at, at that show, I asked, um, I saw a flyer for the show. We played with DDT, which is an old Atlanta band. I asked for a flyer for the show. It was like three hours before the show started. And the guy's like, well, we haven't run copies of that yet. And I was like, oh, great. So there weren't that many people at that one. But <laughs> When you say there wasn't that many people, how many people would you say were there? Um, like 50 or something. Oh, wow. Okay. Was that the um, lowest turnout for a, a show like that that you can remember? No, uh, that's probably... No, I mean, the one in D.C., there were tons of people. There were all these bands, you know, suicidal tendencies. And New York had a pretty good turnout, too. Um, that had the lower. It might have been less than 50. I don't I don't remember, but yeah. yeah, yeah. It was fun, but yeah. When you were on those tours out of the places you had a chance to stay, you're talking about spending a night at the Discord house. What was the most uncomfortable or strangest place you had to crash it at that time um well later on it was tampa but um uh new well, i had never been to new york before and new york in 1984 was a little crazy and yeah driving through um lisa had all her clothes stolen out of the car so she had and yeah been in dc that um Iron Cross guy tried to give her a GBH shirt and then she was like, no, they're sexist. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> but um, so yeah, New York was interesting. Yeah. And we stayed kind of like in, I think it was in Harlem somewhere. So it was just, New York was like a whole different world. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were all your, uh, you know, everyone in the band at that time, your parents, the people who cared about you at home, what were their thoughts on their kids going out on these tours and playing these places and being gone for X amount of time, uh, knowing the kind of music that you were playing was not your traditional rock and roll. So what was their whole outlook on what was happening to, um, well, I don't know about everyone else's. My parents, I, pretty much kept them in the dark as much as I could. Um, yeah, I never played them. They, My parents, no, it wouldn't have gone over well. <laughs> um, they probably started figuring out some things, but... Um, Did they ever hear Roche Motel? No, no. No. <laughs> no blame you. <laughs> no. It's not, it's not your... Uh your Ramon style punk rock. So maybe that would have been more pal more palatable. I don't know, but uh, it definitely is more, more in its raw form for sure. But that's what makes it what it is and why we love it. So, so uh, that's awesome. So uh, you had a chance. Did you ever tour outside of the East coast with Roche Motel? Did you ever go no. mid Midwest? No, that, Southwest. That was, that was it. No. I mean, on that tour, we had another show that was canceled. I think it was in Knoxville, I think. And it was can I don't know how we knew these were canceled because, you know, that's, you know, cell phones and emails were all illegal back then. So we you just have to, and we were in two cars and, hmm. you know. Yeah. Just call and get someone. They're like, oh, no, your show is canceled. <laughs> you still keep in touch with the Rush Motel guys? Um, not, 
Not really, you know, uh, Frank and Bob both passed away. Um, George, very once in a while, I would email. And uh, yeah, no, kind of fallen out of uh, hearing from them, really. Well, I was very grateful, um, and amongst others, who had a chance to be there because there was that Roach Motel reunion show at the Red Lion Pub in Boynton Beach. Remember that show? Yes, that was 2004. That was the second show. We played nine shows in nine days. 2004. Yeah, that we made it out of, we made it to Atlanta and Chattanooga that time and everywhere else in Florida you could think of. Um, that was, it was a lot of work. I think I remember at the end of that saying, all right, never again. It's hardest I ever worked for like $300. <laughs> I was going to ask, like, what was different about playing in 2004 versus perhaps playing in 1983 or 1984? Um, well, in some of the places, we're like a big deal. And some places is like, who the hell are you, old people? Um, Chattanooga, Gainesville, Tampa, Miami, and, you know, I guess Boynton Beach. Um, and Orlando, those all went over pretty well. Tallahassee and uh, Jacksonville were like, huh? And Atlanta, and Atlanta is always kind of, huh? <laughs> but um, it, everything was more organized, and you know, you could call people on your cell phones, and it was a lot uh, touring, and it was a lot easier. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think the phones were that that updated at that. I mean, yeah, you could call them, but uh, I don't think they were really good for taking photos. You guess you could take photos at that time, maybe. I don't remember. Uh, my, maybe you could, but they weren't good. <laughs> they weren't. They weren't very clear. Uh, I don't think they took photos. photos yeah, you had the cell phone. I think once again we were in two different cars, and as you know, <laughs> kind of pain in the ass touring that way, but. Yeah. yeah. When you were doing that final tour, uh, what do you what what song do you think the 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 hardcore Roach Motel fans? What song do you think really energized the crowd and made their made their experience what it was? Um, you know, probably I hate the Sunshine State. Now you're gonna die. You know, maybe I want to keep my gun. Probably made people happy. <laughs> Just, um, I think we had a bunch. We were going to try and come up with new songs. I, God, I forget if we played it. I think maybe one or two. <laughs> we probably don't have tapes of them. The new songs were those ones that were. We did you all work on those in the two thousands? Is that new? How new we're talking? Yeah, I don't. I don't remember any of them. I I saw some piece of paper. We had like these song titles written on. I, I'm, well, we did kind of two tour things. In 2003, we played in uh, Tampa, Brandon, and Gainesville. And then in 2004, we, we went on that nine-day tour. Um, the one in 2003, I remember that was crazy. We played at um, Bob Surin's record store in the back room there in Brandon, that's with, with the with the scrotum grinder. So I remember Frank was concerned. 
but um, <laughs> it was, there was all these kids and, and there's like a hundred, hundred degrees or more. I've never sweat so much in all. My oh, wow. Life. Yeah. That one. But, what was it? The AC was broken or what was the deal with it was the just a small room with mm. tons of people in there? Mm. It was, it was crazy. What was the reaction to Roach Motel? Um, generally pretty well. Yeah. And uh, those cities where we knew people and, uh, Chattanooga was, went over very well. Cause you know, I kind of know people up there and that, that was tons of fun. Yeah. You know, Tampa, we played with Pink Lincolns and it was, it was good. What are your, what was, what do you remember from the Pink Lincoln shows? Um, well, we just played the one, sh that was our last show ever. Oh, the last one. Okay. Yeah. That one. Yeah. I remember I wasn't sure we we're going to be able to play. Bob was kind of a mess and <laughs> we got him up there anyway. And just, uh, yeah, just Pink Lincolns who I'd seen a few times. I don't think we ever, we, that was the only time we ever played with them, but you know, they were great as usual. So it was, it was good. It's in Ybor city somewhere. Did the scene change from the last time you played back in the day when you played Tampa? Was it as violent as you remember it being at that time? Um, yeah, I didn't, I, that, I didn't remember any like violence really on any of those shows. Um, there's probably some slamming and it didn't turn into fighting. I don't, sure. I don't remember that at all. What were you like when you would go to a show? Were you the kind of person that would get into the pit and push around? Or were you kind of just off to the sidelines, just watching? Like, what were you like when you would go to a show? I would, well, I'd want to be up front. I, I was never really a, a, a mosher or anything, or I didn't really stage dive or do anything. But I'd be up front and I'd be like this, you know, because, uh, you know, you don't want a boot in your face. But, um, yeah, back then I, I would be up front, but eventually I started to move a little more towards the back. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of times with that type of music, you know, it can bring out people who may not always just be there for the music itself, or they use that as a, as an outlet to, to, uh, to be violent and, and, and do things like that. Did you ever witness that? Did you ever witness anything like that or with any type of people where you feel like they just came out just to, fight or just hurt people yeah i think and well then in miami in the you know mid 80s um a lot of the shows were like a lot of the shows were like that you just see people going out bleeding is um yeah in miami and you know probably west palm a little too and you know, i started drifting away from those shows a little because you know you'd go to those shows and there'd be like a hundred dudes and then every, all the bands would start sounding the same and you'd look around and you'd realize uh, there's no girls here. Uh, <laughs> um, so I started right. drifting away from mm. hard, you know, the hardcore a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're at, correct me if I'm wrong, but after Roche motel, you later you joined morbid opera. Is that right? Yes. Um, yeah, they, you know, had the original band. They were on 
um, we can't help it. And they, at the same time with David Camp, they recorded uh, their first single, which they put out on Suburban Relapse. Um, and they, um, yeah, they played around. We kept keep trying to get them to come to Gainesville. That never kind of worked out initially. Um, then, you know, the, they had one guitar and then two guitars and both the guitars quit. I was in Gainesville, but at some warehouse show, I think Lisa was riding around in a shopping cart and uh, knocked over Charlie Pickett's guitar or something. So then the band, half the band quit. So um, then of course the next guitarist was Charlie Pickett and the sound changed and then they came to Gainesville eventually. And then, you know, later when Charlie Pickett, he, he went back up to Gainesville, I think, to go to school and then on tour and whatnot. And so then they asked me. <laughs> and did you originally just say yes or was it something you had to think about? Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I said yes. But yeah. And kind of each, when the guitarist uh, changed that band, their sound changed quite a bit. Um, with Charlie Pickett, they started to sound a little Charlie Pickety, and with me, I think, and they were started playing more, a little dirgier. It's almost grunge sounding stuff, and you know, I like distorted guitars, and you know, I always was all about Black Sabbath and Black Flag, so um, you know, I, I definitely enjoyed it. So yeah. The other members of the band, because, uh, you know, Lisa was in the band of the members of the band, because uh, you all were together at that time, right, when you were in Morbid Opera. So what what were their thoughts? Because, you know, some for some people, that may not always be uh, uh, an easy situation when there's a relationship going on. So did they, everyone was cool with it? They received that okay? Or was there any tension in the group because of that? No. Well, not that I know of. Um, well, I know right after I joined, there were... Um, Carmen, the drummer, she moved to New York and she was in that band PMS. And there's another girl, uh, girl Elizabeth was guitar. She moved to New York too. Um, yeah, I don't think, well, and then eventually in the late eighties, uh, Libby's uh, boyfriend, Tim Vaughn was uh, the drummer. So it was like, that got to be kind of weird, like a double date. <laughs> some of those shows yeah towards the end there i would imagine uh <laughs> what was the difference for you in terms of your playing style did you have to adjust the way that you were playing going from a hardcore punk band like roach motel to you know a little bit more melodic with morbid opera um um uh... Not really. It was kind of, I mean, everything slowed down a little bit. I mean, they had some fast songs, so we played those. But yeah, the whole um, idea was was quite a bit different. But it was music I liked. So and generally, I did not really write. I wasn't really writing music for that band, which was a little weird. It was uh, mostly, yeah, Libby wrote a lot and Lisa wrote a lot. And then eventually Mike O'Brien came in and he'd start writing. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what I was thinking. Why do you think you weren't included in the, in the writing of the music when you joined? I, well, you know, first we started out just playing their old songs and, uh, 
then you know then when um yeah carmen quit then uh, it was kind of back and forth between tim vaughn and mike o'brien um i think at first is mike o'brien and he kept going to antarctica he was as mike o'brien from the eat um he would uh I, I guess he wouldn't work all year and for like three months he'd go live in antarctica and work wow and he didn't have to work <laughs> what, what was he was he a scientist like why was he going up there uh, i don't know just kind of just work work just yeah not no not really a scientist. you don't really hear that when you're in conversation oh yeah i'm spending a couple of months in antarctica it's not something usually i'm just curious yeah, like yeah you know. it was, was kind of he did it a few times was, okay and then yeah probably tim came in and, and started playing so it was, it was kind of it seemed to work out no one got upset and but yeah, Mike O'Brien, of course, he can't help himself. He or couldn't he, he would, you know, start writing songs and of course they're great. So um yeah. What uh what clubs or venues do you remember with Morbid Opera playing down in South Florida at that time? Um like Hollandale, there were some on the railroad tracks, um, Churchill's. Um I guess I was in the band probably started around 1985 through at that point around 89 or something it kind of everything ended and then we did in the early 2000s we did a couple shows but Churchill's I found some I didn't think it was open then but we found some cassettes um from 1986 we were playing at Churchill's I think Malcolm Tent somehow found that and talked Dave Daniels into having punk bands I, I did you ever did you ever play any shows of Broken Talent? Uh, yeah, we played one, and I actually have pictures of that. It was Broken Talent, Morbid Opera. That was, I think, the last show with Carmen and Elizabeth. And um, I might have sent a picture of that maybe to you. I forget. And uh, Anti Scene. <laughs> but uh, that was at somehow University of Miami, some hall or something. But uh, that might have been about the only one. Because, um, yeah, they were ending around then. Um, yeah. Up to Dan Barry. And, right. You know, Marky went on to Trash Monkeys and a bunch of other stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Hallandale. Did you ever play the, any gigs at the Treehouse? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> what do you remember about playing shows there? Um, I have, I think, one on video. We we have a huge upside down American flag we found somewhere, so we're playing in front of that. <laughs> and um, I think we played Sleepwalkers and um, maybe Prom Sluts, which turned into Creamy Electric Santa. Maybe I forget. But uh, it's it always had a fairly good turnout. Is it was fun. And, the rap, uh, yeah, yeah. Fort Lauderdale, <laughs> we played. Uh, I think with F Boys, uh, oh, yeah. a few times. And um, yeah, we never. Oh, actually, we did. We uh, went to Gainesville and played a couple shows. One we played with Roach Motel. I got to play in both bands, and. 
that band Hellwitch played too. Oh yeah. Wow. So, so the, talk about a lot different of a sound. I mean, they were more on the, on the death metal side. Right. Right. What was it like? What was it like playing a, a gig with Hellwitch? It was, well, they were, I think we outnumbered them, but, um, um, it was good. I don't remember too much for whatever reason, but, uh, it, it was a fun show. It was, yeah, I had a lot of work to do. I had two bands to play with. <laughs> yeah, pulling double duty. Uh, I remember there's your... some stories. I don't remember them right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how did your hands feel after a night like that? My what? Your hands. You know, you're playing so much. You know. Well, I got you. You know, it's they're they're worse now if I try and do anything. Okay. No, I, I was fine. Okay. Yeah. Were there any shows that you were playing during the Morbid Opera period where, you know, just clubs or venues that you were just like, ah, you know, if I don't have to come back here, I won't. Like, did you have any of those venues that you just maybe just didn't like to play? Not so much the clubs. One of our last shows uh, is probably 88 or something, 89, I don't know. We uh, played like a house party this kind of funny story too because uh, um this kid uh rory was recording us um so he's like hey we're having a, a party tonight why don't you come play and it's like so we we did as in lauder hill um these kids showed up we weren't very good no one liked us and um the cop showed up and uh shut it down and it's all like all right okay and wasn't that big a deal except uh lisa was then had just started as assistant city attorney for the city of lauderhill <laughs> and then this uh, sound uh, sound ticket problem came to her <laughs> and it's like oh i better be quiet about this one and somehow that it went it went away quietly <laughs> is um and but mm -hmm. kind of after that it's like oh god um kind of the last show we did was really good it was at churchill's and that's on video somewhere but i don't have it yeah that was really good but kind of there weren't too many bands to play with and um you know um trash monkeys we play you know usually with them they were great. F boys, I think, were starting to move to California and becoming fuck boys at that point. Right. Um, uh, not too many other bands. I think Charlie Pickett was out either touring or out of town. There wasn't too much. It was either kind of hardcore or, you know, our kind of weirdo friends. Um, do you think that's kind of when the scene started to change or like this transition period you think was around that time? Yeah. Um, it's probably, uh, it might be Richard Shelter's fault because in the late eighties, all of a sudden every national band in the world would come and play at Flynn's or Cameo. And it was all these amazing bands that Richard Shelter just got everyone to come down here. And it just seemed the local bands, started to dwindle I, I was kidding about it being his fault but I was just I was looking through tickets recently and it's like oh my god this it's all these amazing bands and 
yeah, Richard uh, Shelter set him up. But somehow it seemed like the local scene started to dwindle, at least as far as I knew it, at, at that point. Or it started to separate between hardcore and, you know, the gang of weirdos. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, it got, you know, finding shows got a little harder at that point. Was Morbid Opera ever invited to open up for some of those bands Richard Shelter was bringing into, uh, you know, places like the Cameo or uh, Flynn's or even the Blitz? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely. Um, by the time I was in it, not not so much, not as much. I mean, maybe the hardcore separation from weirdo punk had already started, so not as much on those shows no it was kind of like club banal i remember we played there was, that was a that was another memorable one um we trash monkeys played first and you know lloyd would usually wear a dress but this time he decided to just slather himself in vaseline and it was like 100 degrees in there too so they played their set and we went up and it's just like, ooh, <laughs> every, the microphones, everything was just Vaseline everywhere. <laughs> it was, <laughs> that was, and that was a, you know, a little small room. So another memorable wow. show. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so what, made you decide to uh to part morbid opera did the did the group just kind of dissolve or what was that situation like um kind of that i think libby and tim might have moved out of town or something i think she moved out of town for a while it's just and then yeah lisa was busy with work um then in early 90s we uh had a couple kids um, so that makes being in a band very rough and initially. Um, so yeah, we just kind of took time off and didn't even pay too much attention. Um, then back on the inspiration, um, Nirvana was playing with the Breeders and I wasn't going to go, um, cause we had. I think just had our second kid and, you know, it's hard to go. Then my friend Spanbauer called and um, said, oh, this band from Boston come, who is like the best band ever, as far as I'm concerned, we're opening. And then I was like, all right, let's go. But then we figured by the time we get there, get tickets, if they're available, we're going to miss the opening band. So he was like, well, there's a show at Churchill's with um, Harry Pussy and Creamy Electric Santa, who I hadn't seen before, but you know I knew the people, so I was like, "Yeah, I'll go." And I went, and every band I was just floored. <laughs> um, it was just amazing how good all these bands were, and it's you know people I knew, and I just couldn't believe how good they were. Um, like Prom Sluts was Sir Robert's band before; they were really good, but once they had their rhythm section down with Andrew and Tim and Priya on violin. I I was just floored. And I'd never, Harry Pussy, I'd never seen something quite like them either. So that kind of, I put the idea in my head to start 
start thinking about it again yeah like were like did you were you into that type of more noisy rock sound um yeah i always liked it um i like it to a certain point i can't um uh listen to it for hours and usually uh significant others uh aren't usually happy with it after an hour or two <laughs> but um yeah. i understand yeah, for yeah. Doses, i definitely enjoy it yeah i mean there's some stuff that you know it's probably better to listen to when you're by yourself yes yes nothing wrong with that you need you need, you need those moments too yes. so uh uh so wow so that's uh so after morbid opera dissolved sounds like there's a lot of other bands coming up in the scene and what have you and then your your next band that you were in uh was that drug czars or was there something in between the two kind of um well we did like one or two morbid opera song uh shows i think malcolm tent was back in town we did something and we played at churchill's i remember with the whole band with mike o'brien on guitar this time and those were good but you know the whole thing fizzled i was in a kind of a quick band with some friends pvc plastic voodoo chicken face or something we played <laughs> one show and then the singer moved to new york but that's when i met like some of the people i met chuck loose and all those people at that show um and then just through that and yeah drug czars uh, yeah mike and chris Cotty were talking about something so i was like sure i'll do it and um so that's how that that started and the drug czars were for lack of a better term, we're kind of like a super group of Florida musicians. I mean, everyone was kind of in a band at some point that was already established. The Eats, The Crumbs, Roach Motel, uh, Morbid Opera. So am I, am I missing anyone? Anyone else was in a pretty prominent band from Drug Zars at that time? Oh, yeah. It was, um, yeah. Um, wait. Um anything uh well buddha was in every band in the world he's in stun guns who are one of the best bands ever and marky awesome was bass player later i mean all these per people weren't in the band at the same time but yeah then marky awesome and um who's in you know trash monkeys and broken talent and a bunch of other bands so um yeah it was, it was a super group then of florida yeah florida then, musicians yeah, someone would quit and we'd get someone else who we knew so right yeah yeah so what was the idea going into drug czars like what what was your plan everyone in the band at that time what were you looking to do with that project um well basically just started like um just playing i guess we didn't really have plans we all practiced at chris Cotty's house um he, uh, I'm not sure if he loved my guitar playing or not. I remember him laughing at one part, like, like, oh my God. But, um, um, and yeah, that's how I met Buddha. So yeah, we got him and just, uh, you know, of course, immediately the, the songs were great. So we, uh, record Star Crunch records. Uh, they were a label back then. So we did a single for them. Um, just and generally just played around here for the most part. 
and uh, mostly probably Churchill's West Palm once in a while, Fort Lauderdale. What was it about your playing you think Chris Cotty wasn't really a fan of? Um, I don't know. It was, uh, I forget the song. I, I just played random, uh, um, random noise on one song, um, with, with, with uh, um, cry baby wah wah. And he's just like, Oh God, I think in general, he's fine. <laughs> I was wondering, like, is there a certain riff that you, when you're playing with a new band and you're maybe, I, don't, I wouldn't say you're trying out per se, but you know, they're listening to the way that you play and seeing your, how, how you sound. Is there a certain riff that you would start off with or something you would always do is like your way of showing them like your style? Um, not, not really. And I had, you know, been playing with Mike before, and I guess we had those one or two morbid opera shows, we played guitar together. And, uh, so we had playing to guitar together. We were kind of used to it. And, you know, that's half the reason I'm half deaf now, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, nothing, nothing in particular. And, you know, when you're playing with Mike O'Brien, you know, the, the great show, the great songs just show up and yeah, I would bring a riff in and, you know, then the next day it'd be like, oh my God, this is a great song. <laughs> and I get songwriting credit too. <laughs> yeah. So with the drug czars, I know you had your history of staying away from songwriting after your incident way back when. So did were you able to contribute any 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 of your own songs uh, to well, Drugs Ours? Music wise, music not, wise, not, really lyrics. not lyrics. No, no. I, I probably threw in an idea here and there, but yeah, mostly music. How would you, how would you throw out that idea? What what would that be like? Um. Oh, just oh, I just come in here. Here's a song, and um, we just play it and might might uh take it home in the next week he'd come back and it'd be an amazing song a few um or i just have you know here's a riff and it just turned into like a great song <laughs> you have a favorite drugs ours tune um let's see freezer burn i, I like that a lot um Let's see. Thank God for drugs is good. I I mean I I like a lot of them. Um, what uh, one escapes me? Let's see. I, I like our uh, Jefferson Airplane cover. That's a that's a favorite. Uh, Paranoid Delusions really good. Yeah, Eskimo Blue Day. I'm uh, very happy with how that turned out. Yeah. And there were only a couple, uh, what, it was like two, two seven inches and then a split seven yeah. inch. Was there ever any talk to do a full length album or maybe one was recorded, but never really released? Not, not really. I mean, probably everyone was still a little broke. Um, I am thinking of throwing something together. I have, I've been separate. It was kind of a post COVID, uh, putting stuff together. I have all my drugstore stuff together. I'm uh, trying to get it digital and yeah, maybe I'll, I don't, I, it won't make it, can't really press a record to lose my ass, but um, yeah, at least a playlist or something. 
um because there's a lot of there's a lot of you know chris cotty vocals on stuff that's just crazy songs it's yeah <laughs> the world is missing out so i'm gonna... right <laughs> you need to share that with uh yeah those yeah. that want to hear it of course yeah oh, sure. absolutely uh what do you remember about the last drugs are show um well we um well, I guess Chris Cotty decided he didn't want to do it anymore. Um, and then Chuck Luce volunteered. So we got Chuck and um, Marky Awesome on bass. Um, and then I, I forget what, that was right around the late 80s. Uh, no, late 90s. Um, and that... <clears throat> um, just playing around i don't remember the last show really um and i don't i think it's yeah our bass players kept moving out of town i think uh first buddha and justin savage he and then uh marky awesome is just one after another moving out of town yeah <laughs> but um yeah i don't think there was any why it might maybe just fizzled and then, yeah, in 2005 or something, we started playing again with Kenny Lindahl. Um, and that's what I got to look for and see what I, I've seen a video of one of our shows. It's pretty good. We we look old, but it's good. Um, I'm wondering what recordings I have of that. So I got to look for that. But and then, you know, that just things kind of fizzled, too. Just yeah, people getting busy and mm. moving around. Was there any touring outside of Florida that Jugs Ours did? Uh, very little, uh, not outside of Florida. We When we had Chris Cotty, I remember someone, I think it's Smoke Dog or someone, set up a show for, or got us to call this guy, set up a show in Tampa. And um, we went and there's some club it was like a wreck there were like toilets in the middle of the <laughs> club and like we played for <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute sorry you said there were toilets in the middle of the club yeah they weren't hooked up or anything they were just sitting there in the middle of the yeah, club just sitting there it okay. just like crashed and never um, okay. I don't know if it was advertised i think there was another band we wound up playing for the barmaid and that other band i mean no one knew about it um that's uh yeah and yeah chris cotty you know he's like oh god <laughs> and uh i think uh i would i would never ever smoke pot before i went on stage but i was like all right hand me that i don't care <laughs> there ain't no one no one here to see it if i forget <laughs> yeah it, that was uh and then you know later with Chuck, we played in Orlando, I think, but yeah, not a, everyone had jobs. It was just, we didn't. <laughs> and all throughout, you know, your time, whether it be, uh, you know, later in Roach Motel or even like corporate opera, drug czars, uh, you're maintaining this, you know, other life outside of your music. You know, how were you able to kind of control the two? Because I'm sure they were quite different in that sense, right? Yes, yes. Um, as a wise man once said, I, I led two lives. Um, so I'd be at, 
and before I could kind of show up and do a show on a Thursday night and show up at Poorhouse or somewhere and show up the next day at work. And I don't know how I did it. I couldn't do it now. After that nine day tour, I remember I drove all the way from Tampa down to South Florida and went to work the next day. I don't know how I did it, but, um, but I, I generally kept it very separate. Um, no, no one knew anything. I, <laughs> you were like, uh, you know, Clark Kent, Superman, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you get it. You get into the phone booth and you change and there you go. Punk rock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then you get back in business. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, one made money and one I enjoyed. There so. you go. There you go. Uh, were you disappointed when the drug czars dissolved? Um, yeah, I mean, kind of both times I had other stuff starting and starting to go on. So I didn't really have time to, I, I, yeah, I don't, there were no, with anyone, any hard feelings or anything. I, I think it just kind of fizzled and yeah, maybe we'll do this later. And, you know, eventually it didn't happen again, but um, yeah. I mean, we never like really broke up as more. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Went on hiatus. Yes. yes. Well, you must have had a bond at some point with, with Chuck Luce, uh, who was just a recent guest also, as you know, on the yes. podcast, because you've been in uh, other bands since then with with chuck uh which we can certainly also uh talk about so what was it about chuck that 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 you liked and you know you've been in other bands with him so what do, what do you think you guys clicked um just um i mean eventually at, at first i was like eh, but yeah he's a great drummer and he was just very uh out there and ready to go um uh free posters for all the shows <laughs> and um yeah just um very a lot of enthusiasm and yeah he was always there and ready to go it, it just made sense and yeah <laughs> were, no you, were you a fan of the crumbs um yeah yeah i liked them and um yeah, eventually a little later, you know, I guess in the old days when they started, I was kind of in retirement and not really going out to shows too much when they first started. Hmm. But um, yeah, yeah, I definitely enjoy their stuff. What made you go into retirement? <laughs> um, pretty, yeah, pretty much having kids for a while and just, and that's kind of the story of my life. Uh, be in a band for three, four years, take a year or two off, not on purpose, but just works out that way. And then something starts again and there I go. <laughs> when you came out, was that when you started Trapped by Mormons? Um, oh, well, that was drugs. That's when I was in like three bands at once, kind of drug czars and Trapped by Mormons was kind of, they weren't really at the same time, but very close. And there wasn't a big lag there. Um, so yeah, it, it was, um, but yeah, it was probably drugs. Ours were fizzling. So yeah, I started kind of doing that. 
And uh, traveling Mormons, I think, is uh, a different sound. I think some of the yeah. other bands that, you, that you've been in before. Uh, talk about that that band in uh, the sound. And also, I think there was a member of the band, and the name is escaping me, who was also in uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Is that right? Yes. Um, so, yeah, are... talk, talk about that. That's interesting. Uh, of course. He was um, our um, second bass player. We had we had Will Will Trev at first, who's in a thousand bands, and uh, Tim and our singer Todd. If you ever saw us, was, was a maniac. Um, but um, yeah, our first uh, first practice, he was uh, he was too shy to sing. Um, it was, it was, who no one will believe if they see this. But uh, for some reason, Bobby Lode was in there with us and he like jumped up and was like, do this. <laughs> and then he started singing and it all worked out. Um, that was more, you know, I was listening. I liked AMREP stuff. I think I wrote pretty much all the music for that band almost. Then Mark wrote some later. Um, Todd wrote the lyrics. It's not my fault. <laughs> but um yeah, I was into more AMREP and Jesus Lizard type stuff. So it kind of had that sound, I think. So yeah, and we played a lot with all of the bands and yeah, on a bunch of shows and respectables and, you know, generally all over this area. And then, um, yeah, something happened and uh, yeah, we met Marco Tool and from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. And um, yeah, he wanted to play bass. And uh, so we're like, sure. And um, yeah, I think at first we were kind of recording and I, we weren't liking our recording. We'd go in the studios and it just wouldn't be right. And then he's like, well, let's record in, uh, in my uh, back room at my house. And uh, I was like, well, that's not going to work. We can't all play at once. You know, that, how's that going to work? And uh, we did it. And of course, I was wrong. It was 10 times better than everything else we did. And we put out a CD. And then later, another recorded a bunch of stuff that we did nothing with that hopefully we do something with at some point. But um, yeah, Mark was, yeah, he was great. Yeah, he mixed everything and he just, um, because he co-wrote Relax, he didn't have to, stupid day jobs like the rest of us, so he, he could work on that and uh, get a really a perfect sound. <laughs> I would imagine. And what was his home studio like? Was it pretty state-of-the-art, current? Like, what was that? It was like, like a bag in Hollywood, of all places. <laughs> um, it was like a regular house. It was probably built in the 40s or 50s. It was like a back, it looked like a grandma suite or something. A really small room. Um, but yeah, yeah, all the re recording equipment. So you could really only record one thing at a time um, and got it to work. <laughs> all that was released by Trap by Mormons was the, the full length CD, right? Yes. Yeah, we recorded a bunch of stuff after that, and nothing happened with it. And I haven't listened to it for a while, but I really I like that just as well. So it's kind of a shame. Yeah, I, I definitely like the Trap by Mormon sound. Uh, did you have any opportunities to play outside of Florida with Trap by Mormons? 
no no mm. yeah once again yeah touring kind of wasn't our thing mm. probably a lot my fault because of day jobs and everyone else had their day jobs and you know that's uh kind of yeah what happened just not a sure. lot of it makes sense. I mean, especially at that time period, everyone's kind of getting older, uh, yeah. especially depending on, you know, who's you're forming the band with. I mean, if you're, if everyone's of that age where they have kids and jobs and it's really challenging to just get up and right. say, all right, well, I'm going to be gone yeah, for be gone for the next, uh, yeah, next, next two weeks, next month, I'll be on the road. Yeah. That's yeah. not going to work out. So uh, out of all the places you did get a chance to play in Florida, with Trapped by Mormons, was there one show or two that stands out as perhaps one of your personal favorites? Um, I pretty much enjoyed all of them. Um, I guess the one we got banned from the poorhouse that was that was memorable. Um, <laughs> Why did you get banned from the poorhouse? Our singer got it. Well. Started slow, I guess, during our set, he was spitting on the ceiling and we had the stalactites and stalagmites coming down. <laughs> that was, And then uh, me and him cheered with beer bottles and they both broke. And Todd being Todd, we had a, you know, of course our table just with tons of bottles and he just went. And we uh, kept the bouncers from killing him, but... Uh, <laughs> We uh we weren't welcome for for a while till everyone forgot. <laughs> speaking but, of uh, speaking of bouncers, uh, you know, did you ever uh, have a moment where you kind of were just seeing just the bouncers just being just rough with people or just and you were just you were just looking from the stage like, come on, like is that really necessary? Like, did you ever have any of those moments? Yeah. Um yeah not i mean not too bad i mean i know that the edge or whatever it was called i i just remember myself i couldn't stand anywhere that i someone come and say you can't stand there <laughs> you'd have to go stand somewhere else the bouncers were uh yeah pretty active um <laughs> um generally not too bad i i'm i'm sure there's examples i forget because i had to remember my next chord <laughs> So I, I forget, but um, yeah, I'm sure there, there were some bouncers used to enjoy themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever get roughed up by a bouncer? Um, no, no, no. If one of them said, uh, "Go stand over there." I generally do it. Okay. Follow follow the instructions, and hopefully nothing happens. You know. There you go uh so trapped by mormons why did it why did the band stop um or did it just go on hiatus like did you break up like what was the situation what was that that was people quitting and uh i was gonna say well todd had it i was gonna i i think there were some inner band uh disagreements about stuff um some of them, yeah, the singer would get a little wild and, yeah, throw chairs around and stuff. Um, at shows or just just, shows. just just hanging out or what? Uh, yeah, at shows. <laughs> yeah, and there's a, a little bit of inner band stuff. And uh, 
I, I think that was, yeah, then the Roach Motel tours were starting and that other Highway Thieves dust trap. So I had like, and then drug czars again. So, you know, just had all these things going on. Um, Todd got another band and just, just, yeah, I don't, there weren't any real hard feelings, but yeah, a little bit of conflict there. <laughs> Highway Thieves, Dust Traps, that project, that, that was the next, the next band after Trapped by Mormons. Is that right? New band. Yes. Yes. And it was probably kind of at the same time. That was, um, and that band never played out, which is disappointing. But I think Dan from uh, Cavity kind of started that. And then I started playing. Then he moved to like Stewart or something, which was too far. Um, it was all kind of instrumental at first. And um, it was with Johnny from Crumbs and Chuck. And then eventually we got... Um, um, we got uh, Eldis from, um, he was from Electric Bunnies later and he was singing too. And we started getting these great songs and we even recorded them. That guy Roach came and recorded them. So I think Chuck has it on band, band camp or something. Um, we never had a real name cause we never played out, but um, it was back and forth between Highway Thieves and Dust Traps. But yeah, I started really getting excited about the band and that just kind of fizzled. I don't I don't know why. Maybe Eldest started his band and Johnny didn't they didn't seem want to want to play live and mm -hmm. I don't know. So was that why the band never played out because there was like maybe a member or two just didn't want to play out live? Maybe I'm I'm not sure. We mm -hmm. We just, yeah, we recorded and I was all for it. But the songs were good. I mean, I, yeah. I've listened, I've listened to the the EP and the, you know, whatever songs that that's on the band camp. And I like that sound. I mean, it was. Yeah. It was interesting. Good. Yeah. Elvis is an amazing singer. So, and yeah, the songs were good. And yeah, I was playing bass on that for the most part. Um, instead of guitar and so I, I enjoyed I, I kind of I can't play bass like this I have a pick so, mm. uh, <laughs> um is that is that what is that like for you being more of the more of a guitar player and then switching over and doing some bass like is that a nice welcome change for you or is it just something you just kind of just do because you it's needed um a little bit of both um I guess you know, if you ask me what you want to do, I'd play guitar, but I, I definitely enjoyed it. It's and it's a it's playing different notes and approaching a song differently. So yeah, I definitely enjoy it. But guitar more. You you can go in more different directions that way. Have you ever done any singing? Um uh yeah. Generally, yeah. <clears throat> With <clears throat> drugs ours and yeah generally if there's a mic there and i've been drinking i'll, I'll get up and sing background yeah but generally no <laughs> why not um i don't know i don't know i i, I think my voice is on maybe one day maybe that's the next band i'll start singing but, yeah 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 no. yeah i don't think my voice is bad but i don't know when you would do demos and stuff like that, or maybe you had an idea and, you know, would you record vocals of your own to kind of no. show? No, no, it would just be at a show. 
Okay. Yeah, spur of the moment type thing. I gotcha. Uh, so sounds like Dust Traps really wasn't that band that really went out and played. He, he recorded some songs and all that, but it, it does, doesn't sound like that project was around for very long. Is that a fair statement? No, uh, I mean, it was several months. Yeah, maybe mm. six months. I don't know, several months. So it's disappointing when we didn't play out. Yeah. But yeah not, a, not, a, not a long time, really. Yeah. Did Severe Disappointments, was that your next new band that came after Dust Traps? Yes. Um, that was, yeah, like 2011. That was, you know, kind of every, that's Lisa passed away and like everything was, my kids were getting grown up. <laughs> so that was, I think it started out where it almost was going to start out as Drug Czars. But um, I don't think Mike really wanted to do it. So, um, you know, some other friends, uh, we just wound up, started uh, playing. <laughs> so it really wasn't a plan thing. It was just kind of sound like it was kind of one of those moments where it just kind of happened. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we didn't really even have a band name. We had a different band name every show for a while. We had four or five and they're on all the, the flyers and I, that's not really a smart way to make it in this business no. can you give, every show can you give us a couple of examples of some of the other names that were being used of course uh one we were somebody in the somethings then we were the fucking bagworms um someone was upset about bagworms around their house um, then my favorite was the uh, Low Hanging Fruits, was my favorite band name ever. And then Severe Disappointments, we settled on and stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> Were any of those your idea and your idea alone? I think I was uh, Low Hanging Fruits, I think. That's why, you, that's why you love like, it so much. Uh, <laughs> I like uh, naming bands. I'm, uh, I, I'm fairly good at that. So. Okay. Did you, did you have a hand in some of the other names of like drug czars, trapped by Mormons, um, dust traps? Not so much. Yeah, I think some of them, probably drug czars. Um, I remember, I don't think I totally named them, but I was at the table when it got named for um, the Muttley Chicks. I remember sitting there with them and Someone said uh, chicks and I said Muttley or vice versa. So I helped name that band. Yeah. And, and the Muttley Chicks are one of those bands out of Gainesville that came after kind of Roach from the Ashes after Roach Motel, yeah. right? Yeah. They were all our friends. They'd come to every show. And yeah, I was thrilled when, yeah, they, they started and they did a reunion like 11 years ago or something. Yeah. Went to that. It was. It oh, was yeah. so I will say, what was that like being, getting a chance to see a band like that? Because you know, Roach Motel did it. Motley Chicks now did it. So just seeing that reunion, uh, what was the difference for you? Maybe seeing it way back when, and now seeing it as a you know grown man with kids and all that. Like, what was your outlook like at that time seeing it? Um, just um, generally happiness. Just uh, it was good to see people I hadn't seen in ages and can reconnect and talk to everyone and um 
Yeah, totally different. I, I don't know one's better than the other, but both were great. <laughs> Well, it's always nice when, uh, you know, the bands like that, people who didn't get a chance to see them back in the day, uh, get at least some opportunity uh, to see a band like that live and and what have you. And uh, Deborah's also does a piss test, which I think uh, one of your, was it severe disappointments? One of your bands played with piss test, I think, right? All, all the V words. All the yeah. V words. I saw the V words. Baseball and down here. Yeah. So what was it like kind of reuniting on that front, playing a bill together? Oh, it was, it was great. It was, and that was, um, well, then when we played Gainesville, that's, that was my first time playing in Gainesville and eons. And so that was, got to see some people I hadn't seen in 25 years or something. So it, it was good. It was, it was, um, yeah, it was just great experience. Well, that's good to hear. And uh, all the V words came after severe disappointments. Yeah. yeah. And I would say out of all the bands that you've been in, that's probably the one that uh, I think has uh, quite a different sound. I mean, there are definitely elements of some of the other bands in there. Uh, and that was, and you correct me if I'm wrong, that could very well be out of all the bands you've been in, the one that, released a full-length album that was available on vinyl i think all the other ones were like on cd uh but that was a vinyl release right the the debut album um, the while we were around you know roche motel morbid opera put out retrospective retrospectives album. right but yeah. um yeah i mean it's partly um because we went in the studio with uh fernie and hialeah and I was thinking, oh, we'll get a song or two out of this and do a single. And just Fernie is so amazing um, recording. Um, every song, we couldn't choose a single, every song we loved. So we're like, oh, we got to bite the bullet and put out an album. <laughs> so it's, and that's where uh, Severe Disappointments we recorded too. And it's just amazing the performance. He could just drag it out of you. Mm. Did all the V words and severe disappointments, was there any overlap with those two bands? No, no, no. no. Um, um, severe disappointments. And we actually did. We played Orlando, St. Pete, and we played out of town once or twice. But that, yeah, I think, you know, same old thing, people moving and, and all that. So that, fizzled somewhat. And then I was, yeah, retired for um, several years. Then um, Paige moved down here and she's gotten a band that some of my old friends, Rich DeFinnis and Julie Blumel, they had started. So Paige jumped in that. Um, they already had a, a bass player and a drummer. And so um, I was just a fan at first or roadie. <laughs> But they didn't play too much. And uh, then the bass player quit. Um, she went on to you know, start her own band. Um, so they asked, do you want to do it? And I was uh, sure. Were you aware of Paige's previous band, Livid Kittens? Did you chance to see them play back in the day? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I was. Um, 
on KPX, they used to play that song Fangs, and I, that was my uh, favorite favorite song for for a while. Um, yeah, I saw them a lot. Um, Drugs Ours played with them a lot. Um, we played, yeah, we played. You can see it that damn shit. You have to zoom in, but it's the damned and yeah, Drugs Ours. Drugs Ours. They've been getting uh, during the hurricane. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when Paige was on, she talked about her 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 uh eating out with uh Captain Sensible. Yeah. I was yeah, I was not invited to that, but um <laughs> oh, you, why weren't you invited? Oh, I don't know. I probably headed in the other direction or headed home or something. Mm, okay. It was I mean, there were floods everywhere, so I probably was yeah. worried about getting home. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great that's a great poster for for that show. Uh, yeah, yeah, we you know Chuck Lou's poster, of course, and yes, I am. I was surprised that we you know I save everything, um, but I have tons of flyers for different shows with Livid Kittens and Drug Czars. It was it was like wow, we've yeah, fun. yeah, and different all the kind of music, but played together a lot. True. Yeah. And all the V words was in kind of ways like another Florida super group where you had like members of Livid Kittens and Roach Motel, The Chant. Uh, it, it was definitely a lot of people who had been in other bands that were pretty established in their own right in Florida. So what do you remember about the early beginnings of all the V words? Um. Well, yeah, I'd known Julian Rich DeFinis for ages. And actually the chant, Frank Mullen was in that from Roche Motel was in the chant too, which is very odd <laughs> in Atlanta. Um, just uh, kind of took over there. Saw my bass playing was a little different than Morgan's, but because um, I you know, play like a guitar player. Um, then we got Chris on drums, who's kind of like a hardcore drummer. And so that added a whole different sound to it. So um, just, um, you know, it got a little more difficult to get shows because we're, you know, 40s and 50s and, you know, is kind of playing, yeah, West Palm, Miami and here. And, you know, that so we did go on tour once, but yeah. He played like Tennessee, I think it was the furthest she went. Chattanooga, which mm. is, you know, I have friends there. There's a great scene there. Well, I assume I haven't been there in a while. Sure. Atlanta and Gainesville. And yeah, kind of new people everywhere. So, so yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, our friends, uh, the Ghetto Blasters, they played all three shows with us, which was Justin, who was, and Buddha, who are both in the drugs ours. So. A lot of nepotism going on. <laughs> uh, how fun were some of those all the V word shows? Because you mentioned, you know, you're older, you know, the the scene is obviously had changed and evolved. So, you know, were those shows like the you know fun fun playing out like that? Yeah. You know, were they more yeah. challenging with life and personal things going all that? It, yeah, it was as much fun as anything. It's different. You're a different not a different person kind of but um just as much fun as just from a different perspective i guess but 
just seeing um I like to I get to see bands I wouldn't get to see otherwise um and um just getting out and playing um definitely definitely enjoyed it and you had a different name in the all the v words Vom Vargas so where did that idea come from um well I came up with it it was everyone had to have a all the song titles, if you notice, start with V and everyone's name in the band had to start with V. And so I liked it because, you know, oh, I can go on Instagram. I don't have to use my own stupid name and uh, <laughs> not have to worry about uh, people from work going, hey, <laughs> you're a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> So, I don't know, just, just came came together. But people with the internet, the way that it obviously had boomed uh, around, you know, even way, way before that, uh, could all, could go online and Google Google you. Uh, were people who you were working with or people that knew you outside of music, did anyone ever approach you and say, hey, were you in like this band or did anyone ever come up to you and find out that you're... Clark Kent, yeah, Superman. I mean, late, lately, I don't care anymore. So yeah, people know now. But um, once I was on a conference call with a client and an attorney, and the attorney's like, the only Jeff Hodap I know was guitar player for Roche Motel. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> I, I forget who the client was, but it's like- Where does oh, the conversation go from there? I Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was me. Uh, or change the subject, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so you definitely you seem like you keep the two kind of this part of my life and this yeah. part of my life are kind of in their own lane. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't care anymore. But yeah, at, at, when I was younger, for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, and all of the words when I last interviewed Paige, uh, it was going through a transition where the name was changing to Vudra. Uh, and it seems like things are kind of slowed down, at least from a optics perspective on social media. So is that kind of put on hold that right now, that yeah. project or. Yeah, it's, it's kind of done. Um, yeah. We mm -hmm. played one show as Vudra kind of long story. It's just, yeah, I moved to guitar and uh just everyone work kind of got in the way and just everyone with all their other bands not that I we have any other bands but um just um yeah we got this guy Alan and him and Chris they had a um they uh started a band Goat Rope who we saw last night and they're very entertaining we saw them at a place called Ginger's in Oakland Park I believe um so, but yeah, the last couple years uh, hasn't been much. Um, we, uh, our friend Julie, a different Julie, um, um, was in town from New York and her friend, um, he was in, yeah. Um, uh, uh, wait, um, Murphy's Law, that's it. Um, we, we, uh, we did a practice like two weeks or a month ago, um, the blend, babies in a blender. And uh, I hadn't picked up guitar for like six months. So we just, we, we got on our phone, uh, about five, 10 minutes of it's good. The rest uh, want to forget about, but it's fun. <laughs> so at some point we're going to start 
pick up the guitar again, I'm sure. Yeah. Are you, have you and Paige worked on anything musically uh, at all? So you're just together? Um, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, um, did, um, something with, um, yeah. Monster Island did something with them. Um, just a, digital, not live or anything. Um, just did a couple songs that we wrote together. So, but yeah, we were doing that like early pandemic, but yeah, lately we've just been too busy, but we always, uh, that was the new year resolution to start playing again. So. <laughs> Are you playing guitar just staying up on top of your playing now? Like, did you still just kind of, uh, play or are you just still taking a, you're taking a break? I'm kind of taking a break. Not, mm. not that I want to, but I am. And, you know, weird hand things, injure your hand and just all of a sudden it shows up again. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, um, definitely plan to just don't know when. Okay. I need, uh, I need another inspiration. I okay. Well, hopefully, uh, maybe something may come of it from the interview. You never know. People will yeah. uh, hopefully, yeah. uh, share their thoughts on everything like that. You never know. Something could inspire you to do something else, maybe do something even different, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, we you never know. We are definitely planning to do something. We even have a name picked out for, our, it'll be the last band ever, but it's, uh, we're keeping it a secret. Um, okay. A you name you can't follow up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so we'll see. But, yeah, probably another band or two before that. So Okay. We'll yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's still a lot you maybe haven't haven't done yet. So that uh, uh, perhaps is is to come. So yeah. uh, to, to kind of round things out, uh, you know, thinking about your entire career and all the bands you played and the places you've played. Do you remember that moment where you kind of just pinched yourself and you were like, I, I can't believe I'm here. Like, I can't believe I'm standing here. I'm doing this or do you remember when, did you ever have a moment like that where you just, just kind of stepped outside and outside of your own head and were like, I can't believe like I'm doing this. No, <laughs> no, no, I, I totally believe it. It's, uh, it's perfect. It's me. It's just, yeah, it, it comes and goes. It, it's inspiration. I, sometimes with the guitar, I'm okay. Sometimes I listen later. I'm like, God, oh, that was great. So yeah. What was uh what was your what was your most awkward stage moment? Um I remember, yeah, once at Open Records we had a morbid opera thing and I uh had a guitar and it had no distortion. I was like, oh God, that that wasn't very good. I I'm used to distortion, so I, I remember that. Never to let that happen again. <laughs> but um yeah, that that's pretty much it yeah yeah i think okay well uh i appreciate you taking the time to chat about your musical journey as it does date you know goes back you know, over 40 years so to think back on some of those memories and stories and and uh you know it's i think uh it's just really great to be able to have you on and to chat about some of those some of those moments in your in your life and and uh the bands that you've played with uh 
I'm sure to this day, when you, when you do play, people will still come up to you and talk, talk about some of those bands, right? Yeah. And well, the best part is I, I still like it all. I, I enjoy it all. It's different, but um, I, I definitely enjoy it. And definitely, I want to thank you for what you do. I mean, I, I think this stuff's important and I just love that, you know, you're documenting it and, you know, I'm my little bit of a his, history buff too. So I love that you're um, doing this, um, you know, and I save all my craps. So I'm thinking about, you know, being Florida punk historian too, but um, then, you know, I, there's you, there's Jeff Lemlick, there's Jeff Schweer. I was like, people are going to be like, are you kidding? We need to form a group. Just Another we, Jeff? The only way you can get into the group of Florida archivists is you got to have the name Jeff. <laughs> it could be a, could be a, a part. I mean, maybe a lot of people in. Uh, I know, I know, uh, DJ Lespam, he's a big Florida collector as as well. Uh, but just, yeah, something about Jeff's. I don't know what it is that we just uh, have a passion for uh, Florida music. I don't know. People stopped naming their kids that too, like 20, 30 years ago, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. It's, 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 it's weird. <laughs> and I think because, you know, when you start to dig deeper into the, uh, you know, the Florida archive from a, a state government perspective punk rock is not really something that they talk about a lot or it's not really something that when you look at the the history it's not something that you really see come up a whole lot and you know and a lot of different uh uh museums and things like that throughout florida where there's music you know i i feel like the We Can't Help It compilation should be in a museum somewhere in Florida. And if it is, I've never been aware I've seen it. So, but I think like historically it's, it's significant. Oh, I agree. And I've had, yeah, people come up and tell me, and this is its 40th anniversary is, is this year. I don't know what day it came out, hmm. but I was going to do something, but I, I failed, but repress it or something, but I don't have any of the tapes, uh, I do have, I found in my craft, the uh, the original legal size, the insert with everything like that whole mess, like glued together. I have that. That is, wow. that's probably either priceless or worth uh, 10 cents. I don't know what. I'm sure someone out there would pay a, pay a nice chunk of change Not to have that. Probably, yeah. yeah. And you put yeah. that in the safety deposit box too. <laughs> But yeah, that that is uh, yeah. I'm very proud of that, and just yeah, the whole sense of community, the punk rock, and even though it's different, <laughs> city to city, time, yeah. time but it's I, I think it's important, and absolutely, and though it doesn't necessarily at times you get a lot of people, but in general, not not too many, you know. Well, it's great to be able to have you kind of to help document this in your own words, sharing some of your stories. And, you know, uh, it's just been a real pleasure getting a chance to chat with you. As we kind of close out, any final words or comments you want to share to any of uh, fans of yours, supporters? I'll kind of leave it up to you to kind of close things out. Um, I, oh, um, yeah, I can't think of anything. Just, yeah, I'm, 
just all the great bands that inspired me and um it's it's just um you know too much to run through um it's i got all these uh records that i i still listen to and just just surprised how how good they are and you know i just think you know the florida scene way back was i think it rivaled uh, just about uh almost anywhere else i mean i killed by florida versus those um bloodstains i i think it's about even <laughs>